All right, well, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you're here in person and online to join us. I, I got a message this morning from Beth Ann Erickson, our missionary in Estonia, and she sent a picture, I think we have it up here, uh, of she watching it with a friend in Estonia this morning. Isn't that cool? That people are joining us all over the world. Um, we're so glad that you're here wherever you're from. If, if you are from an exotic locale, please just drop that in the comments. We'd love to connect with you there or risedenver.com slash connect and we could reach out to you. Uh, if you're here in person, I'm, I'm glad you are as well. And I hope that you guys are ready for next week. because We're all going to rise up. It's going to be awesome. Woo! Yes. There's still time to invite your friends, your colleagues, your family, your coworkers, those people that you cannot stand. Bring them here so they can hear about Jesus. Seriously, take these cards. We have more cards on the way out. Make sure every single one of these cards is in someone's hands that you've invited. Um, let them reject you, okay? Let them reject you. Don't, give a, don't make the choice for them, okay? Give it to them. Invite them. If you're online, just share the stream. Share the AriseDenver.com slash Easter. We want to get as many people as we can. We want to pack this place out distantly next week, right? Oh, and, and even if the in-person services fill up, we can still get more people online, okay? So make sure that we do that. We are going to finish up our series, Doomsday Preppers. And some of you are like, man, I, this is a different series than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to talk about, like, all that end time stuff, you know, when's Armageddon, when's, when's the battle, when's the, who's the Antichrist, all that stuff. Sorry. We're actually listening to what Jesus said about preparing for the end, hence the name preppers, because Jesus did teach us a lot to actually prepare for the end instead of like trying to figure out and, and read like the tea leaves and all that stuff. But we are, have been learning from Jesus, from his own mouth, what he taught us to do to prepare, and that's what we're going to do as well today because he's going to teach us that, yes, if you want to prepare for the end to be successful, how to finish strong, how to finish well. It does change how we do things now. It has to. Because it's not about how well you start. We all know it's about how well you finish, don't we? There is a pile of wood in my garage. Some real nice pieces of wood, some cuts, some plywood, some nails, some screws, some glue I got two years ago to build a dollhouse for my daughter McKinley. Now I have two daughters and zero dollhouses. Yeah, great. Yeah, does anybody else have projects like that? They're like, I'm going to get everything. I got all the plan. I buy the stuff. I even start it. Have you done that? Still not finished. Okay, we all have projects like that. We have things like that in our life. I'm going to start that class. I'm going to start that degree. Never finished. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, to, to make this big business. I'm, I'm going to start my business finally. I'm going to write that book, that song. We, we have these creative ideas that we want to do, that, that artwork, and, and I'm going to do it, and it just never finishes, right? We all know, we might get excited at the beginning, people might praise us at the beginning, but it's not about how well you start, it's how well you finish. That's how to truly measure success. Not even how good you look as you're doing it. <laughs> it's about the end. Do you make it to the end well? And that's what we're going to talk about today, because it's not just about projects we start or things we do, because sometimes we should quit those things. <laughs> But when we're talking about following Jesus and making to the end, that, that doomsday that we're kind of talking about, when either Jesus returns or we die and we face the judgment seat of Christ, how we finish on that day will change how we live right now if we do want to finish well, if we do want to have success. So when we're talking about success today, that's what we're talking about, the end. And, and this is what we're going to learn. It's, it's something that's, that's a little strange, a little bit odd, a little bit different, that if you want to succeed, that, that you cannot succeed, Unless you surrender. You cannot succeed following Jesus in the kingdom of God unless you surrender. 
It's not about storing up, like when we're talking about doomsday preppers, you know, it's not about storing a bunch of food, having your MREs, you know, digging down for your bunker. It's not about any of that. You cannot succeed unless you surrender. And we're going to learn what that means from Jesus' own mouth today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 24. If you're, not 24, chapter 14. 24 is the very last chapter. We're not there yet. Okay. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. We're going to finish Luke chapter 14. If you're online or, or in person, you can get out your phone and go to Arise Denver. No, I'm sorry. The Version Bible app. Use that app. There's an event for Arise Church Denver, and you can find the scriptures. You can take notes. Go along with all the stuff we're doing. We're going to be Luke 14, 25 through 35. And in case you're wondering, well, what are we doing next? Well, we're going to do a special message on Easter, Rise Up. And then after that, we're doing a short series called Better Than You Think. Because following Jesus is better, way better than any of us think or imagine. We're going to talk about that. Even Christians don't know how good it is. And we're going to talk about that with things about like heaven is way better than you think and stuff like that. So you're going to be wanting to come to that. If somebody rejects you next week saying, hey, I can't come on Easter because I'm going with family. I'm going to this brunch. I'm going out of town. That's fine. Invite them to the next week to our new series, Better Than You Think. After that, we're going to jump back into Luke chapter 15, which is one of the greatest chapters in all of Luke. You're going to love the stories from that. Um, in, in the series called Lost and Found that starts after this Better Than You Think series. So that's just giving you a little preview of some of the things that are around the corner here. Today we're going to finish our Doomsday Prepper series in Luke 14, verse 25. So in verse 25 we read, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning them to them, he said. So this context is very important for what we're talking about today. Sometimes Jesus turns and looks directly at disciples and teaches them. Sometimes he talks to like a Pharisee or, or someone who needs to be healed, but here he's talking to crowds. This is hundreds, probably thousands of people who have traveled distances to hear this great preacher, Jesus. People are excited. Who, who is this Jesus? Even if they're not sure about who he is, they're curious. I want to see him. Does he really perform miracles? Does he really teach with authority? They want to hear him. They want to be with him. They want to be by him. And that's all these people that are Jesus's fans, there are fans of Jesus. And what Jesus is going to teach these people that, that you actually cannot be a fan. That's what he's going to teach them. You can't be a fan of Jesus. You have to be a follower. And he's going to teach them. This is so important for us because there are not two different types of Christians. A lot of us think this way. There, there, there are the people that believe, okay, I'm good now. And then there's those disciples over there that kind of give their life to Jesus. And they're the Jesus freaks. They're the weirdos. Jesus doesn't actually give an option of two different types followers. There's only one type of follower in the kingdom of God. There's only one different type of follower. In fact, I have this quote from Leonard Sweet. He says, the great delusion brought to the church straight from hell is the whisper in the ear that you can be a Christian without having to follow Jesus. It's just not true. And that's why Jesus addresses the crowd. He's addressing everyone. Anybody who, who likes me, if you think you want to follow me, some of these people are, you know, they're checking with Jesus. They're tracking with him. They're following him, it seems. So that's who he addresses here, and he gives one way to follow him. One way. And that's why he starts teaching in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. To the crowds, mind you. That's not a typo, that's not a mistranslation. Jesus said, you will hate father and mother. Shocking? Should be. Are you paying attention? 
should be getting rid of the distractions online, okay? Stop surfing on Facebook. Jesus said, you should, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you have to hate father and mother. Now, this was shocking in the first century, just like it's shocking to us. Now, he means something slightly different than what we mean, and I'm going to explain that, but it is shocking nonetheless. Because what Jesus is saying here is that your relationship with me, following after me, is more important than every other relationship. In fact, it should be so much more important that it seems like you hate everyone else. He, he get this because he's probably referencing Genesis chapter 29. When there was a guy named Jacob, he's one of the fathers of the faith, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob married two women. And no, that's not good, okay? There are lots of people in the Bible who married multiple wives, and every time it ended poorly, okay? The Bible just says that happened. It doesn't say that's a good thing. In, in case anybody's wondering, don't try it. One's hard enough. You can't handle one, okay? Let me just tell you that, young men. Bobby's laughing at my dumb joke. Okay, but, but, but it says in the scripture, in Genesis 29, this is what it literally says. And the NIV actually translates it a little differently because we get it wrong. But, but it says that God saw that Leah, Jacob's first wife, was hated by Jacob. But it doesn't say anything that he actually did to hurt her or said anything bad. But he just loved Rachel so much that it seemed like he hated Leah. His love for Rachel was so great she was the pretty one. She had the beautiful eyes. Leah was almost hated because of how much Jacob loved the first wife. Actually, the second wife. You know the story. So, so that's the context that Jesus is referring to. He was talking to a Jewish audience. They read their Bibles unlike us. They knew what Jesus was talking to. When, so when he says here that if you want to follow me, you have to hate father and mother, that the love you have for Jesus makes it seem as if you hate other people. It's going to be that extreme of a difference. It's going to be that extreme of a difference. And we know that because in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew, when he writes this down, and this, this may have been a different time when Jesus was talking, but in Matthew 10, 37, it says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So he, it's a comparison here, right? The way that you love me and follow me has to be so much greater than every single relationship in your life. So, so when he's saying, and our big idea is you cannot succeed unless you surrender, that means surrendering our relationships, even the ones that are very important to us. The close ones, parents, they were taught, it's one of the Ten Commandments to honor your father and mother, and yet Jesus says you must hate them compared to how much you love me. And we're, we're not told that we actually have to actively hate people, but it's just how much we love Jesus. He's saying these relationships are that much more important. Your parents, your siblings, your kids... Man, we make our lives all about our kids, don't we? And yet Jesus is saying, if you follow me, your relationship with me has to be more important than even your kids, even your spouse. It's got to be that much more important that my relationship with you is more important than your relationship with anyone else in the world. You cannot succeed unless you surrender your relationships to follow Jesus. Now, this means practically for some of you, and, and some of you have experienced this, some of you will experience this, is that that can mean being disowned. No, literally, it can be disowned by your own family member because you have chosen to follow Jesus. Um, I, I've, I've talked with people who have had to, to experience this, um, and, and I read the story just a, a little while ago of a man named um, Afshin, let me make sure I pronounce this right, Afshin 
Ziafat. And, and Afshin uh, was an Iranian man. He was born here in the U.S., but when he was two, his family moved back to Iran. And he lived there till he was six. So he was uh, taught to be a Muslim. He was in a Muslim family. He was taught Farsi as a language so that when he moved back to the U.S. when he was six years old, he, his family hired a tutor to teach him English. Well, this woman was a follower of Jesus. She was a Christian. So not only was she teaching him English, but she was also being really kind and loving to him. And this was actually really strange for him at the time because that was right when the Iranian hostage crisis was going on. So at the time, people hated Iranians, did not like Muslims, and yet this woman was loving her, loving him. So he thought that was odd, and then when he was in second grade, she gave him a Bible, and she gave it to Afshin and, and, and said, hey, this is I was actually a New Testament, the, the, you know, the portion of the Bible about Jesus, and she said, this is the most important book you will ever read in your life. So he took it and put it in his closet. <laughs> Ten years later, though, he said he was a senior in high school, and he was playing some basketball, and he happened to take the Lord's name in vain. And one of the other guys that he was playing with pulled him aside and said, hey, don't say that word because I worship Jesus. Jesus is my God. Don't talk about him like that. So he was kind of sh shaken because as a Muslim, he was taught that Jesus is a prophet, not God. And he didn't even know people worship Jesus. He watched a documentary that happened to be on TV, and it was like, yeah, Jesus is worshipped by Christians worldwide as God. And it shocked him. So he started reading his New Testament, and he would shut the door, read it at night, and he would pull up his covers, take a flashlight, and start reading the New Testament because he didn't want any of his family to know what he was doing. And as he was reading, he was starting to learn more about Jesus and be interested in what Jesus was teaching and, and what he was doing. And when he got um, to Romans, he realized that it says that you don't have to follow, you know, the pillars of Islam. You don't have to do all these things to be saved. All that you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, and you're saved. So he started talking at school with one of his friends who's a Christian, and, and every day at lunch they were talking about Jesus, and they would start debating about Jesus because he's like, no way Jesus could be God. For weeks this went on, and finally that friend invited him to an evangelistic event. And he attended this event, heard the gospel preached about Jesus Christ, and he did believe. And he publicly declared that he believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But he was afraid to tell his family, right? So even though he started going to church, he would sneak out to go to church. He would keep hiding the Bible from his family, but because of all these things that he was doing, his dad finally figured it out and confronted him and said, son, what are you doing? What is going on in your life? Why are you hiding all these things that you're doing? And, and finally, he admitted it to his father. Afshin said, dad, I'm, I'm actually a believer in Jesus Christ. And his dad said, no, you're not. No son of mine will do that. You are a Muslim. You are raised Muslim. You're going to be a Muslim all Everyone in our family is Muslim, and you're going to be a Muslim. And Afshin says, no, 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 I believe in Jesus Christ. And his dad said, no, 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 if, if you say that, you're no longer going to be a son of mine. And, and he said in that moment, Afshin said, in that moment, I thought, maybe I'll just, like, uh, you know, kind of hide it. Maybe I'll renounce it. Maybe it's just time to walk away from all this stuff. But he couldn't because the Holy Spirit was inside of him. And so he said, Dad... If I have to choose between Jesus and you, I choose Jesus. If I have to choose between my heavenly father and my earthly father, I choose my heavenly father. And that day, his dad said, you're no longer my son. And he was disowned. That's what happens to many people in our world, in our country, when they decide to follow Jesus. And, and it's not just people that, that are coming from a different faith. 
Um, I heard another story about a young woman who was in college, and, and she became a believer in Jesus Christ. She told her dad, who was an atheist, and she's like, Dad, I'm going to go get baptized. Her dad says, no, you're not. If you do, you're, you're out of this house. You can't live under my roof anymore. So she went and got baptized anyways. And, and though she was trembling as she did it, she knew she had to. When she got home, there was a suitcase on the doorstep. She was no longer welcome home ever again. That's what happens when people choose to follow Jesus. And Jesus is just telling us this. He's being honest and upfront to everyone. If you want to follow me, it means you're going to love me so much that it's going to look like you hate other people. They're going to think that you hate them because you follow me and that you love me. It's going to sever relationships. That's what happens, and some of you have experienced that. To follow Jesus can mean being disowned by family, by close friends. But I think for a lot more of us, and I'm going to be honest, that, that's not my experience, but my experience is, though, that I am disliked for following Jesus, right? That we are disliked even by these close relationships. They're like, why are you wasting so much time going to church, reading your Bible, in a community group? What a waste of time. Why are you doing all those things? It's just dumb. They, they, they will call you names. That they'll keep you busy. They'll always have events that take place on Sunday morning. You've got to come to brunch. You can't say no to your mom. Come on. And this is what happens. You're, you're disliked. You're called a hate-filled. You're called a hypocrite. You're, you're, how, how could you believe that crazy stuff? And, and it's just kind of like a slow push. It's not as bad as being disowned, right? But I think because it's more subtle, some of us don't even see that it's happening. And people are kind of slowly trying to push us away from believing in Jesus. And what can happen is that slowly o- over time, you're like, okay, well, maybe I just won't be as weird. Maybe I won't go on Sundays as much. And, and then you find yourself a few years down the road with no faith left. I've been a pastor now for almost a decade. It'll be a decade this year. And in my 10 years, I have seen way too many people start out strong. Be excited, come into church. They raise their hand. They accept Christ. They get baptized. It's amazing. And within a few years, they slowly fade away. It breaks my heart. It it, it saddens me, and it keeps me up at night thinking and praying for these people. God, bring them back to yourself. I, I try to reach out to people, and, and it just saddens me to see this again and again and again, and I'm telling you this because I don't want that to be you. Jesus is saying this can happen. Sometimes it's, it's blatant, like you have to choose me or Jesus, uh, or, or, or sometimes it's much more subtle. You're just disliked, but I don't want any of you to fade away. I don't want anyone who hears my voice to fall away from the faith because if you want to succeed, if you want to make it to the end, which that's what matters, if you want to make it to the end, You cannot succeed unless you surrender. And sometimes that means surrendering these relationships. Choosing to say Jesus is more important than these relationships. Even people disown me or dislike me. That's that's what we're choosing to do if we follow Jesus. And he says we have to do that. He, He says in here about your wife, he says about your spouse. Did you notice that? That's one of the relationships Jesus specifically mentions. And I'm saying this because there's some young people in here who are dating, thinking about dating or engaged. And I just want to tell you this. If you are dating or engaged to someone who is not a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to say dump them right now, though maybe you need to. What I am going to say, this is my test, and I made this. This is not scripture. This is my test. Bring them here to church five times. Okay, let them meet me. I'll meet them. I'll be nice to them. We'll love them. Bring them around. Other people will love them. If they come five times and they still don't believe, dump them. Okay, this this is not scripture, once again. This is just what I'm saying, okay? You don't want to spend the rest of your life having to fight that tight of a relationship. It is so hard just to be married, (laughs) 
let alone to be married to someone who doesn't share your faith. And I don't want you to have to deal with that in your own, the, the most important relationship in your life, other than your relationship with Jesus. Okay, I, I'm just warning you now, okay? Because some of you are married to someone who doesn't share your faith, and it's difficult, it's challenging. You, you can do it, but I think all of us would say, yeah, I would love if we could just share this faith together. And I am warning you now. Think about it. You want me to talk to him? I'll talk to him. Okay. I don't mind. I'm not going to dump him for you, but tell him about Jesus. It's, it's that important, though. Jesus is saying, you cannot succeed unless you surrender your relationships, even your significant others, Jesus is saying here. This is radical. But he doesn't even just stop there. <laughs> he, he pushes in even more. Look at verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. There's one type of follower, right? There's one type of disciple. You have to take up your cross to follow me, Jesus says. Now, we have so perverted this language that we're like, oh, washing the dishes every night is just my cross to bear. It's washing the dishes, okay? It's not crucifixion. Let's be honest. We use this in our slang here, and we're just like totally mess it up. Take, carrying your cross, people in the first century would have understood this because the Romans ruled, and they executed people on crosses hundreds, thousands at a time. Happened all over the place. You'd see it outside of every city in the Roman Empire. Anybody who was a dissident, rebelled, string them up on a cross, and what they would do is you carry the cross because you, it's the cross piece, the horizontal board that they would carry outside of the city, and then when they get to the place where they're going to be executed up on the hill like outside Jerusalem— they would nail the person to, through their wrists and through their legs to this cross. They'd hang them up, and they would have to be baked underneath the Middle Eastern sun for hours. Usually it would take days for people to suffocate to death on the cross as the vultures are coming in and pecking at their flesh while they're still alive. So when Jesus says, take up your cross to follow me, you cannot be my disciple unless you do this. This is what would have been going through the heads of his hearers. And should be going through our heads as well. That means not just that we die to ourselves once, but this is a slow, uncomfortable death. What he's saying here is that you, you don't just surrender your relationships, you also surrender your comfort. There are times that following Jesus is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, and it's going to feel excruciatingly painful, even like death. But Jesus says to follow me, that's what you must do. You put it all behind to follow me. Now, let me be as clear as possible. To follow Jesus, to believe in him, you have to do nothing to have eternal life. Salvation is 100% free, and yet to follow Jesus is going to cost you everything. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. And that's what Jesus is just being upfront here. He said, this, this is what's going to cost everything. It's going to be slow. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be excruciating. And, and that's really important for us to hear because we, we think it's going to be comfortable. Some of us look for churches. Oh, what has, you know, are the chairs padded enough? Sorry, we don't have padded chairs for you guys, right? Is the coffee good enough? We don't even have coffee right now. You have to wear a mask. You have to be distanced, okay? Uh, we, we think we're just looking for our own comfortable comfort, but following Jesus is about being uncomfortable. It's about being... Hard things that are happening and suffering on our way to a slow, agonizing death. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple. I'm not making this up. This is what Jesus said. And that's what Jesus calls us to. 
You want to succeed, you have to surrender your comfort. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life anymore. That's all dead. We have to die to ourselves even daily to live this life for Jesus, to deny ourselves and say, it's not about me. It's not about my hopes and dreams and all the things I thought I was going to do with my career in life and have these kids and these dogs, and oh, it's going to be so great to retire. No, no, we, we let all of that die to follow Jesus wherever he calls us. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot like marriage. I think that's a great analogy, and Jesus, it's used throughout the scriptures. The analogy of our relationship with God is, is like a marriage. It's a great analogy because it is so easy to get married. It really is. We do all this planning. Oh, my gosh, it's so hard to find an event and all this. No, no, no. It's easy to get married. I could marry you right now in five minutes. Anybody? Any takers? I'll do it. I'll officiate you. All right. State of Colorado, you don't even need me to do it. Anybody can marry you. Get a little piece of paper, fill it out. You're married. It is easy to stand up in front of people and get married. It's hard to be married for 50 years. Right? To say I'm committed to this person and no matter what they do, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to encourage them. They're going to change, and I'm going to change too, and we're going to figure it out together so that 50 years from now, when, when we're dying together, uh, th- that, that's what we're looking at. It, it, it's not about how well you start. It's about how well you finish, right? We know that some of the most extravagant weddings we've ever been to are like the shortest marriages. It doesn't matter how well you start. It's how well you finish. And that's what Jesus is calling us to, calling you to a life of discipleship. A life of picking up your cross to follow after me if you want to be my disciple. You cannot succeed unless you surrender your comfort. And he goes on. It's even more than that. He tells these two short little analogies starting in verse 28. And the first one, it goes like this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish, like me with the wood in my garage. You can make fun of me for that. It's okay. I'm not proud of that, right? When we start a project and we don't finish it, and if we haven't really thought through, do I have the time for this? Do I have the energy? Do I have the resources to pull off this project? You'll be made fun of because you don't finish it. Okay, nobody wants a, just a starter and a starter and a starter. You've got to finish it. That's what success is. So if we know that in our lives, <laughs> if we know that through projects and school and all the different things, how much more so about the life of following Jesus? If we want to make it to the end, if we're really looking at the end to prepare, we want to be successful on that last day so that our Father in heaven says, well done, good and faithful servant. That means right now we need to count the cost. Consider what it's going to take because it's going to... Take all your resources. You, you cannot succeed unless you surrender your resources, Jesus is saying here. It's going to cost a lot. It's going to take time. You're going to have to take time to love people. And, and sometimes it takes uh, the, the most time for the people that we, we can't stand. Like last week, we talked about the least, last, and the lost, right? Man, well, i got to spend time with that person. Okay, we have to die to ourselves. We have to spend time with them. We have to serve we need to serve God and we need to serve others. That, that we need to give our financial resources as well. That God is asking us to give generously, to, to even become tithers. Man, that's one of the hardest things for some of us to give up. It's my money. I earned it, right? But Jesus is saying, hey, it's all mine. I'm just putting you in charge of a little bit here right now. 
going to have to give it up anyways at the end. So might as well surrender your resources now. And Jesus is saying that. Count the cost. It will be expensive. It will cost far more than you think. But you cannot succeed unless you surrender your resources. And and Jesus goes on with another analogy here in, in verse 31. He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming at him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. What is going on here? There's a war about to happen. One guy has 10,000 soldiers. He's going to war with somebody who has 20,000 soldiers. He knows he's going to lose. He is outnumbered drastically. He sends out a person to broker peace. Do you know what that kind of peace meant in the ancient world? That meant the other king would rule over them. (laughs) And you might be able to keep your position, but you would be a slave, a servant to that king. You'd give them money. You'd give them even your resources. Everything would belong to them. What's interesting is I used to think that this was just kind of Jesus reiterating that first analogy. Hey, if you're going to build this huge tower, think about how how much it's going to cost to build that tower. But here he's not saying that. He's saying, look at how much you're going to have to give up. What is the cost? Your resources aren't enough. You don't have enough soldiers to win this battle. What Jesus is saying here is that you could give everything to to your entire life, all your money away, and it still would not be enough. That's what he's saying here. This is fascinating. And, And it becomes very clear in verse 33. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Surrender now is what Jesus says here. Do you get that? Surrender now. Give up everything to the king. Because you cannot pay enough in this life. You count the cost like that tower and you realize, wow. I don't know if I have enough resources. I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if I have enough time to, get, to give away. I, don't, I, I can't do all these things that God expects of me. I, I, just, I, I will fall short. Yes. So Jesus is trying to indicate to us, yes, you cannot pay the cost. Surrender now. Surrender everything now. And let the other king come in and serve him. Surrender now. Everything. And this is so important. If it's not just surrender relationship, it's not just surrender comfort, it's not just surrender resources, surrender everything. You cannot succeed unless you surrender, Jesus says. To follow me means giving up everything to come after me. There are not some people who are believers and they can keep what they want. You know, it's okay. Maybe give, give money every once in a while. You know, serve every once in a while. Try to obey a few commands here and there. No, no, no. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, there's one type of disciple. It's a disciple who's all in with everything. You cannot succeed unless you surrender everything. These are Jesus' words and they're radical. But he says them to the crowds. He's not hiding anything back. He's not just like waiting till people follow him and like, oh, by the way, here you go. No, he tells us up front. He tells the crowds while they're still fans so that they know what they're getting into. And he's letting us know in the same way. This is what is coming. But, but here's the thing. When we do that, it, it, it's actually going to change the world. And, and this is really cool what Jesus says as he finishes up this section. In verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, salt is good. What? Does it kind of feel like a, a change right there? Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
Jesus teaches that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We know this from the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to go out, and, and salt was used like to preserve. Salt was used to give th- something flavor. So it was always good for other things around it. We as followers of Jesus are great for the world. We serve others. We, we are light into darkness. We help people. We make the world a better place as we love even the worst people around us. But Jesus is saying, you are called to be salt. But if you stop being salty, you are worthless, and you will be thrown out. You're not good for the soil. You're not even fit for the manure pile. You're not good for crap. Jesus said, not me, okay? Don't send me an email. Right? That's what Jesus said, didn't he? You're not good for crap if you stop following me. I don't care how well you start, how well you're serving in the middle. If you just give up, you're worthless. It's not about how well you start. It's about how well you finish, Jesus says. Count the cost now. Because success means surrender. And it's going to take everything you have to follow me. It's going to take everything you have to follow me. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If if you're thinking, wow, this is heavy, this is hard, this is convicting, yes. (laughs) And it's not me saying this, this is Jesus saying this. And I want you guys to hear this word from Jesus. Because I don't want any of you to fall away. I don't want any of you to fade in your faith. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. You you might give up everything, relationships, comfort, your resources, your stuff, everything. And you're like, I I laid it all down. But guess what? To follow Jesus is that's what it takes to be successful. And it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I, I, I started out. Uh, or in the message I told about that, that Muslim man, Afshin, who became a follower of Jesus. Um, well, Afshin wrote, wrote an article, and where I read, read this article in, in DesiringGod.org. And this is what he, he says um, at the end of the article. He says, when I left Islam to follow Jesus, I didn't know what it would cost me. I wasn't aware that even the precious relationships of my family should not come between me and following Christ that I should even hate my family compared to my love for Jesus. But God taught me that if I do take up my cross and lay down my life, then I will find my life. He went on to say, the call of Christ isn't simply believe the right things about me, but follow me. And following Jesus is defined by losing your life. It is laying down your dreams, your pursuits, your idols to grab a hold of the greatest treasure in life, Jesus When we lose our lives, God will leverage our lives for his glory and for others to know Jesus. There is no greater joy and fulfillment in life than this. It's all worth it plus some, he's saying. It's worth it. He is now actually a pastor. And he has shared the gospel with hundreds and thousands of Muslims coming, seeing them come to faith. And and he's saying it's worth it. It's worth it. Every single bit of it. It's joy. That means happiness. If you give up everything. You cannot succeed unless you surrender. But when you do, it's worth it. Now, in that analogy that Jesus used of of the king going to war and the king like knows, I can't win this. I can't pay the cost. I can't do enough. And I might as well just surrender now. I want us to hear this because when Jesus talked about this, He knew what was coming. Maybe not totally, but 
but I think he had a pretty good idea of what was going to be happening to him. And what we celebrate today, I don't know if you know this, but it's Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the week that we celebrate in, in, the, in the history of the church as the week before Jesus died. It's leading up to what's going to happen on Good Friday and then on Easter. Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem knowing it would be the last day that he would be praised. And then very soon, those same people who were shouting Hosanna would kill him. See, when Jesus talked about picking up the cross to follow him, he knew that he would have to pick up a cross. That he would go into the city that he loved, the people that he came to save, and they would arrest him. That they would mock him. That they would strip him. That they would make him carry that cross. And because he'd been beaten and bloodied so much that he didn't even have the physical energy to lift that wood up himself. And there had to be this man, Simon, from North Africa who came and lifted up that cross for Jesus. And when Jesus, they brought him to the end and they nailed him up and they held him up there on the hill on top of that cross. As Jesus stood there, and he, he couldn't last for days. He could only make it a few hours because he was so weak after he'd been beaten and whipped. And he was bleeding out with a crown of thorns on his head. And he breathed his last. He knew that was the cost that he would pay, that he would give it all. He would surrender his own life because he knew that was the only way that he could save us. See, when we lay our lives down, it's nothing compared to that. And it will never be enough to pay for the sin that we have committed. But Jesus knew that his perfect life laid down on the cross was enough. He paid the ultimate cost. He surrendered all. So that when we look to him in faith, we can be given new life. So as we take this moment right now, I want us to think, what is it that I've been holding back? What have I been holding on to? Is it something that I'm, I've been trying to be comfortable? I've been, been holding on to these resources, my time, what, whatever it is. If it's time for you to let something go and say, I'm going to surrender. It's time to surrender. You cannot succeed. You can't make it to the end unless you surrender. And I want you to make it to the end. I want you to know right now that it's going to cost a lot. But as you pay that cost, it's worth it. Because Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. So we're going to take a moment right now. And I want everyone to close their eyes. And, and, and I'm just going to have an opportunity right now. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. I, I know it might sound crazy, but I know some of you are saying it's time for me to make this step of faith. I do believe. I want to follow Jesus. I'm ready to be a disciple. I'm ready to lay down my life. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a simple prayer so that you can accept his gift of forgiveness as salvation and have his Holy Spirit to lead you through the hardest yet greatest life you could ever have. And if you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, I want you to say this prayer repeating after me just to give courage to someone who needs to say it for the first time. Okay? So let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. Save me. I declare that Jesus is Lord. I surrender. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you. And finish well. Amen. Now, with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, despite what it might cost you, would you please just slip your hand in the air? I'd love to just celebrate with you. Praise God. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Fill that out because I'd love to connect with you and encourage you on this new journey. It is going to be totally worth it.
though it might cost you everything. And Lord God, for all of us here in person, online, Lord God, we lay down our lives. We surrender all to you right now because we know that you paid the ultimate cost, one that we could never pay. Lord, we are so grateful that your son Jesus not only called us, but paid the price for us, that he laid it all on the cross. And Lord, because of that, we surrender all today. We want to succeed and we want to surrender today. Thank you for paying it all on the cross. It's all to you, we hope. Amen. Would you please stand?